guys uh, got your Bibles, got everything ready to go, let's pray real quick, and then we're just going to jump off into things, not waste any time, all right? Lord, um, thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you because of your Son, we have an opportunity to be reconciled to you. Lord, thank you for giving us opportunities and opportunities and opportunities to come to know you in a more real way, a tangible way, a way that um, we can know that this is the truth. And Lord, your word says the truth sets us free. Lord, I pray um, if there's anybody here this morning that has distanced themselves from you, Lord, that that gap would be closed. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that could look within themselves and honestly say, I, I don't know this man, Jesus, like I've heard of him, but, but having faith in him is something I've never had, that, that they leave this wonderful retreat this weekend and they say quite the contrary, that here I am, a son, a daughter of the Most High King. Lord, speak with me, through me this morning, God. Uh, knowing and I know and well aware of and completely fine with the fact that if anything I say apart from your spirit is said, then it does nothing to profit anybody and we're just wasting our time. But if you, God, if you speak just one word, then every bit of this time was worth it. And so, Lord, we just want you to speak. We want you to speak and use me to do so, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, so I um, had a, had a little introduction I was going to do with you all, kind of introducing who I am, but, you know, I've kind of done that a little bit. I rambled about it for a few minutes. But I will say I am super thankful that uh, Brother Josh, Pastor Josh, has asked me to come here. Let's, let's get a little woo-woo or something like that for him. Come on, That's what I'm saying. See, if it, back in mind, it was a Ric Flair, woo, right? We're going to get Ric Flair for him. Look, any person that's involved with youth ministry that will take time out of what they're doing to invest in their students, um, they get the utmost respect from me, right? It's, it's more than just, you know, what it's, it's more than the fine print and the job duties, right? It's like, look, I want to give an opportunity for my students to know Christ in a real way way and so let's separate them from the wish wash and the busyness of the world let's go put them in a cool spot the beach look at this place this is an awesome place and let's give them the opportunity to do that and man i'm telling you uh that that goes above and beyond and you have my respect brother i appreciate you for doing that look i um like i said i'm happily married uh we have 40 kids i'm just kidding <laughs> my students Sometimes feel like my kids other than I can't beat them, but yeah, I'm just a joke. It's a joke. I don't want to beat the kids only a couple of times a year, but uh, Look, I want you all to do me a favor because I, I what's what's preaching a sermon if I don't make my wife feel a little awkward um, And I got to every time I preach I have to now everybody look at my beautiful wife All right now look back at me All right now back at my beautiful wife Now back at me now one more time make it real awkward Everybody look at her and back at me. Now, they say grace is unmerited favor, like undeserved favor is what you define grace as. If you don't believe in God's wonder-working grace, then I hope I just changed your mind, because look at that beautiful woman. 
and then look back at me. <laughs> God shone down very brightly when he uh, gave me the opportunity to meet her, and I'm so thankful she's here with us, and she just tags along with me, not just tagging along with me. She is a pivotal part of our ministry, and, um, and man, the word she says, says is wise, and I'm super thankful for her, and I'm glad she gets to be here, and you all get to meet her. Um, look, I have two messages to preach to you guys this morning and this evening, and, um, and I want us to focus on one story. That's why we're going to stay in John 4. Now, we're going to have some supporting scriptures, and they'll be on the screen, so you don't have to try to like flip over real fast. But our, our main story that we're going to talk about comes from John chapter 4, because I believe it biblically proves some eternal significance that we have. And that's why I've kind of named this, you might call it a series, it's two, these two messages, uh, the eternal equation. The eternal equation. Now, you might be saying, why in the world are you saying the word equation? It's Saturday and I'm at the beach. <laughs> but I'm not going to make you do any math. So don't, don't fret. Don't worry about that, right? Like if I was to ask you, what is the point of an equation? What is the point of math? There's no me telling how many times in my 28 years. I was like, this is, what is the point of this? Why do I have to remember the uh, equation? Why, do you, why can't I just have it on the board? I remember when I used to go take an out when I was in college algebra. I was so nervous about that class. And I came in to uh, the, take the test, and I'm like uh, trying to remember like Agram's theorem or trying to remember like these, these equations in my head. Y equals mx plus b, y equals mx plus b, y equals mx plus b. And you get in there, and the first thing you do is you like write it on the top of the paper. Yeah. I'm like, why didn't you just give us that? <laughs> in the real world, I would just Google it, you know? <laughs> uh, that was definitely not what I was going to talk about, but I just felt the need to do so. Now, if I was to ask you what's the point of an equation or, or you know, what is 3 plus 13, I hope we all could say, well, that's 16, right? I, I hope we all could say that's 16. Please. Tell me we could all say that is 16. But that doesn't answer why we do it, right? That doesn't answer why we do the equation. Instead, like, the reason why we have mathematical equations is to find the complete, the proper answer. To find the complete answer. And you see, there's an eternal equation that is at hand. It's very much biblical. And, and when, we, when we work this equa equation out correctly, we, we start to live our lives in God's desire for us in a complete way, right? We start to, start to see the answer that he has for us in a more complete way. So there is this eternal equation, and, and the good news is, is that we all can do it. Now, I know some of us, like myself, might be a little mathematically illiterate, right? By that, I mean dumb. <laughs> but, but we can all work out this eternal equation. This is no algebraic equation. Now, I'm going to throw my wife under the bus one more time, and if she has to count above 10, she better be wearing flip-flops because she's got to count her toes, right? She is not the best with working math up. But even all of us, all of us have the opportunity to work out this equation, to find what God's will is for our life and then walk in that will. 
to see what he desires for us and then walk out that desire that he has for us. And the Bible lays things out for us that God's will is for us. I love in um I love that he says in Hosea that he you know he desires love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God, right? Not burnt offerings. So what is he saying there? He's he's giving a little equation there. Like I I des- I desire for you to have love and knowledge for me. Love and knowledge for me. You've gotten it wrong. You think it was sacrifice. You think it's burnt offerings. You think it's this and that and this service. Or you, or if I go to church this time this week, then that earns something from him. No, like he's he just wants. He lays out these equations. If if you want to know my desire for you, it's this. And we just gotta skip past these things. But I think we should look at them, and that's why we want to look at this eternal equation this morning and this evening. Now. It's impossible to understand the answer without understanding the question. Like, I couldn't say, answer's 13, and you're like, what's this guy's problem? The answer to what's 13? He's kind of just spouting things off. Now, I do like to spout things off, but that would be awkward, right? That'd be different. I'm, I'm talking about something, and you didn't even hear the question. So I can't give you an answer. So it's impossible in this terms of eternal equations for me to be fulfilled filled on what I'm supposed to be fulfilled on if I don't know the question at hand. And that's kind of what I want to get to today. And this morning we're going to look at this very popular story that I'm sure you've all heard of. And, uh, and we're going to look at the first part of this equation that I'd like to give you. And that's the idea of being called out. Being called out. Now, we like to think of the idea of being called out as something maybe uncomfortable. And the answer would be yes and no, right? Like if the teacher calls you out of nowhere, you're in a daze, you're like, don't lie, you know you get like that sometimes. <laughs> I'm a teacher. I'll be teaching something and I'll be looking at a kid and be like, some kid the other day was like, like beating his head and I'm like, you know, this lecture is some pretty good stuff, but I ain't, ain't that good, <laughs> right? And I'm like, pull your uh, hoodie off. And he pulled his hood off. His AirPods in his ears. I was like, come on now. Come on now. Like, we, we, uh, we tend to get that way sometimes. And it's uncomfortable when a teacher can call you out and ask you that question, right? But, but what when they call you out, you, like, know what you're talking about? Then you're kind of, like, happy. You're happy. I can answer this question. So being called out, yes, it can be uncomfortable because God... It's trying to call us out of something that we found ourselves being complacent and comfortable in, right? Although the things that we find ourselves being complacent and comfortable in are things that are not good for us. And so when he calls us out of that, it's uncomfortable because, man, it's the unknown. It's the unknown. But the good, beautiful thing about Christ is that he doesn't call you out to leave you there alone, right? He calls you out to walk along with you. And so this morning, I want to talk to you guys about being called out. And so uh, John chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 3. Um, and if you don't have your Bibles, you can read here. If you, want, if you have your Bibles, you can read along with me. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And uh, we're going to read through verse 15, starting in verse uh, 3. All right, And it says this, He left Judea and departed again 
for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sakar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well as it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews, I think it's right here, yeah. For Jews had uh, no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, have nothing, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He has given the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will, never, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have to come here to draw water again. Yes, the encounter of the woman at the well. But I would like us to look at this from maybe a different perspective of just a story. All right? We tend to want to read the Bible and I'm happy we read the Bible at all. Like, I mean, I'm, if you're reading the Bible on a weekly basis, I, man, thank you. But we tend to want to read the Bible like it's like the Chronicles of Narnia or something, you know? Like it's a novel. And, and instead of like taking what the Bible has and uh, applying it to our lives, we read it like it's some story or some fairy tale. And if there is one thing that I hope you understand is that there's nothing more real in the world than the words in this thing, okay? And so let's look at this passage and see what it has to do with us being called out. Now, the first thing that we're going to see, and this might hit you between the eyes, is that the idea behind being called out is that God is special, not me. And I know that goes against everything that society tells us, right? <laughs> society says that you have what it takes, that you can do it, that you are the special one and the unique one. And, and look, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to beat you over the head with the Bible. That's not what I'm doing. But we get this narcissistic or this self-centered way of looking at things. I told you my voice. <laughs> it does it. <laughs> we, get, we get this narcissistic way of looking at things where it's like, oh, I'm the sinner. I'm the center of attention. And man, that's not why God calls us. He doesn't call us because of what we bring to the table. God calls us because of what he brings to the table. Like, that's why I love that scripture in Revelation where it's like, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anybody ever heard of the scripture? Right? And he who opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him. Right? He's not coming to sit at the table and dine with you because of what the person who opened the door has to bring. My friend, it's because of what he brings to the table. So when we're called, when God calls us, it's not because we're special. It's because he's special. 
Um, we like to think of the idea of being called out as uncomfortable or sometimes a little bit prideful, right? Anybody played uh, dodgeball in elementary school? Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. Fun times. And the PE teacher never failed, right? They picked two people to, to pick the teams, at least when I was there. Maybe they do a more inclusive way of picking teams now. But when I was there, it was like, here's the two best people. Now you pick all the other better people, and then the people that are not that good, they're going to feel shameful, and they're going to be last. So that's kind of the way it worked, right? But if you were the first one picked, you're like, oh, you walk up to the guy, Kathy, you kind of got a little swagger about you. You know, I don't know what kind of dances you would do these days, and I'm not going to try them, but you'd do something a little, a little like cocky-like, right? Because you, you were picked. You were special. He saw your skills last week when you smoked that kid in the head, and he's like, I want him or her. And you get picked. Like, but if you weren't that first one picked, it's okay. I wasn't either. Maybe if we had a hot dog eating contest at PE, I would have been the first one picked. But we did not have hot dog eating contests, although that would have been much more pleasurable than getting hit in the head with a dodgeball. <laughs> I like hot dogs. Now, what I want us to get here is that uh, being caught out by God is different than that. It's different than that. Uh, it wasn't like he saw what you did last week and he's like, they bring something to the table. I'll choose them. No, it's not because you're, you're popular. It's not because of your athleticism. You didn't earn it. Your good looks didn't get you there. Your kind heart or your warm spirit didn't get you there. He did. He did. Is that me? If it is, I'm sorry. It's not me. Okay. That would have been embarrassing. Now, it's he did. It was his athleticism. His athleticism. It was not your athleticism. It was his calling that brought us from where we are or brings us from where we are. We cannot earn it. And we're going through a series right now with my students uh, at the youth called uh, Set Apart, right? And what we're doing is we're like kind of slowly walking through the book of Daniel and seeing what it means to be set apart, right? So we're going chapter by chapter through the book of Daniel and seeing what it means to be set apart. Now, that word set apart, we got it from the scripture that says, be holy for your Lord God is holy. It's an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture as it's quoted in the New Testament. Now, when it says, be holy as your Lord God is holy, that word holy is this word, and I kind of am a nerd about words sometimes, but that word is a word in the Greek called hagios, right? And what that word literally means, in, in, if we derive our understanding of that, is it means to be set apart, to be different from the world. But what my favorite definition of that word hagios is to be set apart by and for God. To be called out by and for God. Now, you're called out by Him, and you're called out for Him. And it's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. For if, if we got what we deserved, man, and the truth is, is the wages of sin is what? Death. So, I don't think anybody here is walking around sinless. So if we got what we deserve for the wage of my sin and my attitude and the way that I'm always talking back or waiting until my mom said three times to take the trash out or doing whatever, the wages of that is death. 
And I can't earn anything other than that. It's only by God's doing. It's only because he special that I have the opportunity to be uh to be graced from that, to be saved from that. See, if I had to work or to earn or deserve the call of God on my life to call me in from darkness and into marvelous light, then I'm in a bind. Because I don't know about you guys, but I've come to grips with my tendencies and my shortcomings <laughs> and my sinfulness, even though like I've wrestled with it, wrestled with it, wrestled with it. I, if, if it's up to me to earn that, then, man, I'm not going to earn anything. It's like, like man, I, and it makes me happy because I, I read the scriptures and I see Paul and he's like, man, the things I want to do, I don't do them. And the things I don't want to do, I do them. And I'm like, bro, same. I feel you. It's this battle that we have. And if it's dependent on me to not ever have that, that argument with myself where I'm like not ever doing the things I shouldn't be doing to earn that call of God's life, then I would never earn it. But the beautiful thing is, is that you can't earn it, that he gives it freely. That's that whole beautiful picture about grace I was trying to talk about earlier. Now, to tie this into our scripture, I want to tell you this, that Samaritans were not looked at highly in their culture at all. As a matter of fact, uh, they were looked at as lower than dogs on the level of importance. You know, I know we look at dogs these days as like children. <laughs> so you're like, oh, that's not that bad. You know, I got little Roger at home and he sleeps in the bed. Okay, well, little Roger wouldn't have a name in, you know, the first century. So uh, they were looked at as lower than dogs. They were half-breed Jews is how the Jewish people saw them. And they were despised. They were considered despicable. They thought they were brought nothing to the table. And Jesus goes and talks to a Samaritan. And on top of that, a Samaritan woman. That's why I love in the scripture, she's like, are you talking to me, a Samaritan woman? All right. Like, she didn't bring nothing to the table, according to the standards of culture at the time. She didn't, she wasn't special. It was God. It was God, it was Christ that was calling her. That's what was special. You see, by the historical, cultural, and moral standards, this woman brought nothing to the table but herself. And guess what? She brought nothing to the table but herself, but that's all God wants us to bring when he calls us. Just bring yourself, bring nothing that you have, just yourself and leave with everything. Because when he calls us out, we come as we are, with nothing in our hands worth giving. And then we leave with everything that we could possibly ever have, because guess who we leave with? We live with him. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never depart from you. His spirit lives inside of you. Guess who his spirit is? It's him. And so when we leave, we don't leave. We tag along. The second point that I want to make in regards to this is that God makes the initial move, not me. See, we're, I'm trying to make these things kind of easier to talk about, but these are real sound theological concepts that 
that we really need to wrestle with and understand, okay? And the second one of those is that God makes the first move, not me. All right, so in chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, we read that uh, the following, that he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near, near, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And a woman came from Samaria, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Right? Give me a drink. You see, we're given a decision. But left up to us, that decision will never be to pursue him. We're given a decision, but that left up to us, that decision will never be to make the initial move towards God. It won't. It will never be that. See, Christ made the first move towards the woman at the well before she even saw him. Before she even knew that she was going to meet him, he was sitting there waiting for her. I hope you can wrap your head around how important that is. You see, we, we just read that he had to pass through Samaria, but the reality is he didn't. You see, <clears throat> I want us to think of it like this. All right, we all know where Laurel is. We all know where Hattiesburg is, okay? What's between Laurel and Hattiesburg? Ellisville, right? Moselle, yes. That Planet Fitness, if they still have it there. All right, between uh, Laurel and Hattiesburg is Ellisville. Now, between Judea and Galilee... Is Samaria. So you see what I'm trying to paint this picture here, right? Laurel, Hattiesburg, Ellisville, Judea, Galilee, Samaria. Now, what Jews did in these times, because they thought, like we just said, Samaritans were so low on the level of importance, they were despicable, they thought. They didn't want to be in touch with them or around them. So to get from Judea to Galilee, they would not go through Samaria. They would go through a, a community called Perea which is like around. So it'd be like if I wanted to get from Laurel to Hattiesburg, I went to Collins, right? And I don't know if you guys know too much geographically, but that just would be ridiculously stupid, okay? The gas is way too high for me to be dr driving to Collins to get to Hattiesburg. And, but this is what they did. Jews did not travel through Samaria. They went around. They went through Collins to get to Hattiesburg. You know what I'm saying? So when Jesus said that uh, he needed to go from Judea to Galilee and had to pass through Samaria, it wasn't because he was trying to take the short route because he was tired. No, it's because he had an encounter to meet. He had a move to make. He had a person to redeem. And he would make sure that happened. <clears throat> Now, on top of that revelation, who was the first one to speak? Jesus. Who was there before she was? Jesus. It's him. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's, it's always Christ. It's when we think we've, we've done good and like, hey, man, I've been doing really good. It's his grace that's given you the opportunity to do this. When we think, man... I was really able to share with that person and help them through a hard time. No, no, it was God's grace that allowed you to be used by Him. It's always Him. It's always Him. 
And, and that might sound like some hard news to people who think, man, me, 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 that they've been brainwashed by society to tell you that you're the important one. But to people who've really looked introspectively, by that I mean like look within themselves and they know their ways of doing things and their tendencies, then that's good news because if it's up to me, then I'm in a bad position. I'm in a bad position. But, but we see here that it's, it's purely him who makes the move, not us. Now, <clears throat> John 6.44 also elaborates on this aspect. It said that no one can come to the Father, right? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That's pretty, pretty plain, right? You can't come unless he's allowed you to come. He's drawn you to come. Uh, A.W. Tozer wrote um, several, several books. And one of those books was um, uh, The Holiness of God, right? And another one of those was uh, The Pursuit of God. And he said in The Pursuit of God, he said this, he said, we pursue God because and only because he has first put an urge within us that spurs us to pursue. No man can come to me, said our Lord, except the Father which hath sent me to draw him. And it is by the, now this is going to be a kind of hard sentence to follow, but hear me out. And it is by this very prevenient drawing that God takes from us every vestige of credit for the act of coming. Now that's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. When I read some of this guy's stuff, I'm like, I read a page and I'm like, put it down for like 30 minutes and I'll come back to it. Because it's a mouthful. It kind of hard to wrap your head around. But what's he getting at? He's saying that, that God makes it to where it is impossible for us to make the first move towards him. Romans 5, 7, and 8 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, if we were able to make the first move towards God, if we were able to make the first move towards God, then it would be a faith based on my abilities and my works. And not a faith based, as Ephesians 2 tells us, that we're saved by grace through faith. And I love that it goes on to say, just in case you weren't clear with that, right, Roman Catholic Church, just in case you weren't clear with that, it is not by your own works, but of his works. So if you may boast, boast in the Lord. All right. He's like, let me be clear a couple of times with it. You see, we're saved by grace through faith, and it's not our own ability. The gospel of Christ says that we're saved by grace through faith. The gospel of Christ says that it's not our ability to make this happen. But instead, it's his grace that this happens. God makes the move, right? We answer, right? The, the scripture I t mentioned at the very beginning said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It wasn't, Behold, you're standing at the door and calling out for me. No. It says, Behold, I, in reference to Christ, stand at the door and knock. And if you will open it, I will come in. Now, my question to you when we finish this point up real quick is that you can't make the first move, but when he makes the knock, will you answer this weekend? Or will you do 
what many of us have done over and over and over again and just push down that drawing. I did it for 10 years. <coughs> As that tried to call me out of, of my lifestyle and into his light, I would just push it down and act as though nothing's happening. Or that opportunity that's given where they're like, if you want to talk to a pastor about what's going on in your heart, and my, everything in me says, go talk to him. And I'm like, nope, I'm gripping the pew. All right. But my, my, my hope for you this weekend is that when he knocks, we just open it up and say, come on in. Come on in. The last point I want to make with you guys before we're done for this morning is that fulfillment is found in God's call, not me. Uh, chapter 4, uh, we just read, verse 13 and 14 says that Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will be in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, temporary fulfillment is often traded for eternal fulfillment. And it is a shame, an absolute shame that we are deceived in that way. That we are deceived in the idea that, that we trade in some temporary deception of what we think is pleasure for what God's trying to do for us for an eternity. See, anybody in here play sports? Show choir, hobbies, right? My wife says I have way too many hobbies. I do. I like to hunt. I like to fish. I woodwork. I like to read. I like to do puzzles. I do a lot of stuff. I do a lot of stuff. She's going to kill me, he said. She's used to it. <laughs> She's used to it. Now, I have a lot of hobbies, um, but we all are involved with something. And, and oftentimes we put our focus and our devotion on those things because they give us temporary fulfillment. But it gets deeper than that. We also find fulfillment or try to find fulfillment in all kinds of things that never bring us true pleasure, yet it's disguised as ultimate pleasure. See, the enemy tries to deceive us and make us believe that the things of this world will make us feel the way that we desire but in reality is, all it does is bring more and more shame and more and more separation between me and God. Right? The, the whispers in the ear that says, no, 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 they'll love you. They'll love you. Just do this. The whispers in your ear that says, you know, look, just join them. Take a load off. You've been working hard this week. Loosen up. Have a drink. And all that's trying to do is not give you fulfillment and pleasure, but all that does is separate us from our real fulfillment, our real pleasure. The only thing that this void in my heart was meant to be filled with. And I promise you, it's not the things that this world tries to tell you to be filled with. It tries to deceive us and say, well, those Christians can't have fun. I, they used to be things I bought into. How, look at them. They can't have fun. All they do is sit around and sing Kumbaya. Right? <coughs> but that was absolute deception. My life didn't get fun. 
until I became a Christian. <laughs> now I can have conversations with people that are not so dumb and narrow, that are really broad and, and man, just creative. I can see people find fulfillment in their life and then come alongside of them and say, man, I'm proud of you. I can encourage people while they're down, weep with them while they're weeping, and rejoice with them while they're rejoicing. My life wasn't fun until then. And so don't fall into the deception that, oh, you can only have fun if you do this. Because that's a lie. And, and, and the enemy is the father of lies. He, he wants to deceive you and leave you in a place that you don't want to be leave, left. See, lies like this are, are, are the opposite of how God wants us to be fulfilled. This, this Samaritan woman that we're talking about, right? She had been chasing the desire fulfillment, fulfillment in all the wrong places. She'd had five husbands, and the one that she was living with wasn't her husband now, right? She'd had five husbands, and the ones that she was living with wasn't her husband now. And Jesus made sure she knew that he knew that. <laughs> it's further on in the chapter. And that's not going to be the highlight of what we're talking about. But Jesus made sure she knew that he knew that. I keep getting in the way. I apologize. I kind of like to move around. I'm a wanderer. Um, but Jesus knew that. And he made sure she, that she knew that he knew. But guess what he didn't do? He didn't leave her there. Right? He didn't say, yeah, you've had five husbands. The one you live with now is not your husband either. Sucks. And walk off. Right? That's not what happened. It's not what happened at all. Instead, he, he acknowledged the problems in her life where she had been trying to find fulfillment in all the wrong places, and then he tells her where to find it. Another equation, right? That if you've been finding it in all these wrong places, but if you knew what kind of water I had <laughs> and the kind of water I would give you, you would ask me for a drink. And the water I would give you would be a well of water bubbling up from inside of you out to others. See, she had been pursuing all these things that she thought were going to fulfill her. You see, something that will quench her innermost desire to feel loved, cared for, called, and yet none of those things ever brought it to her. But then there's this man named Jesus that sat by this well waiting directly for her so that when she came across him, he could give her what she desperately needed. And that was fulfillment. That was redemption. That was reconciliation in Christ. What I love about this concept, though, is that he didn't, he didn't just refresh her. He didn't just refresh her. Instead that the scripture says that the water that he gives her will be a bubbling water that comes from outside of her. Do you ever watch those Animal Planet shows? Anybody like those kind of things? The only guy in here. Okay, sweet. I know it's like a guy, it's typically a guy thing. We're like, sit around and watch it. You know, other people are like, you know, most girls are like, I don't want to watch that. Like, there's an animal that gets eaten in every episode. I'm like, it's just a circle of life. But, <laughs> circle of life. I had to do that. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you see those shows in Africa or wherever it's at. And where do we see those 
dehydrated, desperately in need of water animals. It's not walking into the desert. They're walking to a water hole, right? They're walking to where they can feel that need that they have, this desperate need to have water. You see, God doesn't just want you to be refreshed. He wants to use you to bring freshness to other people. He wants to use you to bring water to the dehydrated, the desperate, the hurting people all around you, even those that may live with you in your own homes. And that's something we're going to talk more and more, a lot more about on tonight. But I wanted to touch on that. The fulfillment that God has for you affects more than just you. It affects all those you come in contact with. In closing, I want us to look at something real quick. That God knocks, God draws, God meets you, God is special. God calls us from out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now my question to you is that I asked again earlier, will you answer? Uh, There's a story that I want to end on that goes kind of like this. This woman, she came home from, she lived way out in the country. She came home uh, from getting groceries and she stopped at the end of her driveway to get the mail. So she hops out of the car and I don't know why, but she kind of turns the keys off and she gets out of her car and hops out, goes and checks the mail. But when she comes back, the door's locked and she has two small children in the car, right? There's two small children in the car and, and one of them, the oldest one's only like two and a half years old and it's like 95 degrees outside. It's hot. She spends like 20, 30 minutes trying to pull the window down, trying to figure out, trying to exp- explain to the kids this is how you unlock the door. Grab that thing. Pull it up. Grab it. Pull it up. And no luck. She was out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody's around. Her phone's in the car. She can't call anybody. And she starts to weep as she sees the sweat roll down her kids' faces. And then her, her, her oldest daughter, two and a half years old, goes, Mama, do you want me to roll the window down? You see, communication is key. I'm not trying to sign language you anything. You got to do this or jump through this hoop or jump through this hoop or jump through this hoop. No, no, no. I'm trying to be really frank with you. Really clear with you. God wants to call you out of the place you've been living into a place alongside of him. And anything you've done in the past, anything, None of that can separate that. None of that. So I'm trying to be clear with you. It's not about what you can do to earn that or to cause him to love you more so that may he may give you this grace and call you out of that. But it's just because he is just that great. He is just that wonderful. If he's knocking at your door, will you open it? Or will you just let him? Because the longer and longer we let him do that, the quieter and quieter it gets. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. You are God. We are not. (laughs) And thank you for that because, Lord, we can do nothing righteously without you. Lord, I uh, pray that 
that the word that you have given me to give these students and these parents and these leaders here, God, um, has taken root and that something will be done about it, Lord. That they won't just hear it and then forget it, that they'll hear it and they'll apply it. Lord, if there's any student here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I'm not in the business of lifting your hands and saying this after me, Lord. I'm in the business of radical transformation that comes through the acknowledgement of your word. And so, God, if, if there is a person here that feels you drawing at them to give themselves to you as your as their Lord and Savior, God, then then um, I pray that they'll just come talk to their pastor. Talk to somebody who's able to walk them through that. And they, they change their life here and now. You don't have to wait till you're 40 years old. Some people won't reach that. But the day is the day of salvation. Right here. Right now. Lord, thank you for calling me out of my darkness. And giving me the opportunity to share about your light. In Jesus' name, amen.